Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. I give you thanks this morning for the honor and the privilege it is to be in your house, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you found us in darkness. You caught us in our sins. You caught us in our trespasses. When we didn't know what direction to take, when we had so many distant plans, oh Lord, and you created the circumstances to find us and to draw us near to your house. You created all the circumstances that were able to bring us before a man of God with the word of God that would direct our steps, Lord, into peace and joy and stability and a future of hope and restoration and fruitfulness and blessing, Lord. So I pray that this word would come to us today, Lord, as you have delivered it, O oh God. We pray that this word would strengthen us in our walk, give us the hope that you desire us to have, that we would be able to fulfill the dreams that you have for us, and that when we get in heaven, like Dr. Haggai says, Lord, that we would have no regrets of fulfilling everything that you intended us to fulfill here upon the earth, O oh God. Give us your wisdom, give us your mindset, make us a wise people, make us a zealous for good works. Allow us to obey you, Lord, so that we can see the direction of your purpose in our life. And I pray, Father God, that every family here and every family that hears this message would be fruitful in a marvelous and glorious manner. Lord, this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, when I read the scriptures, and I didn't know this, that when I started reading the Bible, everything in here concerns our prosperity. Everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants everything to turn out right and to be a reflection of making good decisions. And I want to tell you, you have to be a total nimwit if you end up after you come to Christ with a destroyed life. You have to be a total uh, person that disregards. Um, you can't open the Red Sea if you're the people of God. There were six million Jews that were sitting at the foot of the Red Sea and it was God that had to open up that Red Sea or else they were stuck. And in the same manner for our lives, the only way that we're going to be successful and prosperous is if God does it. He has to do something that is so obvious, and a lot of times we fear. We're like, Lord, you know something, what if, what if I, 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 I'm blind to what you're doing in my life? What if I don't hear and I'm deaf? <clears throat> Lord, make it obvious. Make your, your life for me, your plans for my life obvious so that I would be a total rebel. That's what the word is. I would have to be totally hard-headed and disobedient to not be blessed. And these are the type of people that end up outside of the favor of God. They resist, listen, they resist the love and the grace of the Lord because he causes it to rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. So he's not blessing you on the basis of your goodness He's prospering you on the basis of his goodness. He's not doing something for you because you qualify. He's, just, he's doing something for you because it's his character. And he has greatly qualified for this work. And so I wanted to share this morning the, the issue that drives us in everything we do. And it's, it's deep-seated in who we are. Each one of us has a motive. Can you say motive? motive. For everything we do. There's a reason you do everything you do. There's a reason you say everything you say. There, there is a, a reason why you end up wherever you end up. And that's the deep-seated 
motive or this aspect of what man is uh, that moves him. The inner force and energy that moves man is called motive. And so for whatever we do, we got to check our motives. And I want to tell you, and what I've come to share today, is that we need a world-changing motive. And you know what a world-changing motive is? Something that will drive you to do all the will of God? It's those of us that learn how to walk in the power of our love for God. There is intense energy when a person truly loves God. And when a person truly loves God, they will say no to anything that's contrary to that love. And so many of us here this morning might have the motivation to come to God because our marriage is on the brinks. And your motive to be here is you don't want to lose your family. But that's not what you need as a motive. It's a good beginning motive, but it's not going to keep you faithful the long haul. Because as soon as your family is put back together, as soon as you're making $20,000 a week again, as soon as you're traveling to the great cities of America, you say, hasta la vista, papa Dios. I don't need you no more. Why? Because your motive was corrupt. That which drove you was not legitimate. There are some people that will go out of the way to do a lot of things, but with unpure motives. And I want to ask God, if he gives me this message for today, we would, we would say, Lord, can you stick my love for you as the motive of everything I do? Amen. Make sure that what's driving my decisions are that I love you. Because I want to tell you that this is what has moved God. God had a motive in everything he's done. He has a motive for why church exists. He has a motive why he sent his son to the earth to die on a cross. He has a motive to why he wanted to pull us from sin and bring us to heaven. And I want to tell you what his motive is. He loves you. He's driven passionately insane. He's done the impossible. Driven by motive. His motive is he loves you and we need to understand this because we will never understand how to love God. We will never understand how to be motivated in the direction of God's purpose unless he sticks something inside of us. And I can tell you that once what's inside of you that makes you move is that you love God, nothing will ever keep you away from doing the full work of what God wants you to do upon the earth. When we're motivated by love, we move in something. Ready for this? When you're motivated by love, you move by something called faithfulness. When love is what motivates you, you're faithful. And when love is not motivating you, you're unfaithful. You betray you're disloyal. And we're going to see this all over the Word of God. In Ephesians 3, verse 19, that we might know the love of Christ so that we could really understand the fullness of God. You will not understand God. God will be a foreign concept to you if you don't understand, the, 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 have knowledge, understand, and have knowledge of His love. 
I want to ask you, do you have any remote idea how much God truly loves you? Is it a personal witness to you that he's made it evident in all his goodness of how much he loves you? And so that is the beginning place to understand that what, what motivates God is his love for us. And we're to know this love that we might understand God. Because without knowing how much he loves us, we can never see why God does what he does. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, we see the love of God towards us. 1 John 4, 9. We can see the manifested. Manifest means it's revealed. You can see the love of God that he has for us. When he sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. What's evident there is not, and a lot of people have different motives. A lot of people, um, they don't like the feelings of sin. They don't like the consequences of sin. They want to become a little bit religiously uh, understood. They, they want to study a little bit of the word of God. There's a lot of reasons why people come to church. But let me tell you something, because it's not true love for God then it doesn't matter what they do. They could come to church for two hours on a Sunday, but the rest of the week, they don't live with a motivation to love God. Their life represents other interests. And he says, no, God, he, sh he showed us his motive. He showed us his love when he gave his son. 1 John 4, 16 follows up a couple verses down the road. We have known. We're intimately familiar it's no longer just an idea or a concept. A lot of people say they love God, but where is the evidence of that love? There is no love when you're being unfaithful to God. When God speaks and you do something else, that's not love. It says we've known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. There it goes again with that if, if there's deep-seated love in you for God, I don't care what this world offers you, it's not going to happen. Do you recall Joseph when Potiphar's wife came to him and he says, Yoo-hoo, look at me. I mean, this was a, a real attractive woman. She, she had a lot of enticement. She had a lot of seduction. She was wrapping her arms around this guy. And he says, I cannot, because I love God. My love for God doesn't allow me to betray God. I don't care if you offer me a hundred women like you, not interested. See, that, that, that's, that's incredible. But what was his motive? It wasn't just being good. It wasn't being Christian. It wasn't, what are people going to say? He says, I can't be unfaithful to God. I could, you could give me a thousand opportunities to betray God, but I won't bite on any of them. John 3.16 says it the clearest. It says, God so loved us that he gave his only son. Well, if you so love God, what are you giving? You sell out in a heartbeat every opportunity. Every opportunity you have to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something other than what God would have me to do. It's nothing less than that there's no love of God in your life. There's no, there's no retribution to give God. Because when it's love, there is no expense. It's priceless. 
And so I'm asking God, God, in these last days where there's going to be so many opportunities to let you down, the Bible says because of, of the incredible lawlessness, because a lot of people are going to be doing a lot of bad things, the love of many will grow cold and they will betray. There it is again. They will betray one another. How? Because when there's no love, it's easy to give it up. When there's no passion, everything's for sale. It continues on to say in 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we love God. This is how it all starts. I want to tell you, and I, I, I got so much, and I, I want to break it down very simple. We, outside of God, are the total expression of selfishness. Understand this. What drives us is what benefits us. And it's not until God comes and shows us that what drives him is not what benefits him. Love is selflessness. There's no greater love, John 15, 13, that you give your life, that you lay it down. There's no greater love than, than you saying, hey, here, this is all yours. I'm taking nothing. I have no interest in what I'm doing. In other words, I lose. This doesn't go well with me. I lose on this one. But the motivation of the loss is what? Love. Yeah, a lot of wives know this to be true. There is no amount of money in the world to love their husband. There is no amount of money that would allow them to put up with the husband. You know why they do it? Love. Love. Man, you could, you could try and say she's with me because I drive a night. You're crazy. She's with me because the money I make or what? I, you're crazy. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's something God put in the heart of women to love us. And so, so here comes God in, in a world where there is no expression of love and he's going to be the first expression. He's going to give us out of a motive of love, what we can never purchase or even deserve. So this is love, it says there. 1 John 4, 10. Not that we love God. He's not motivated because we came to give him something. But that he loved us. And he sent his son to die and to sacrifice for our sins. And so I'm thinking, we see the faithfulness of God towards us because there's a motive there's an inner reasoning. The energy that's flowing is this, 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 strong, this strong like, like reservoir of love. There's, there's something that, that God is just continuing to, to pour out, and it's not on the basis of anything we've done. Even while we were sinners, we didn't love God. He began to love us. He began to give his son for us. And then we see this as a total foreign concept. Because we're so far into our sin, we're so far into our pride. I want to tell you that what was operating in the heart of Satan when he says, I'll put my throne above the throne of God. I'm going to take his place. I'm going to get out of the way. This is mine. He wasn't moved by love. He was moved by pride. And pride is the art of self-preservation. When you see somebody being disobedient 
and you continue to help them be disobedient, you don't love that person. You don't love that person. Your motive is not pure. We see also here in Titus. No, before we go to Titus. um, Let's go to 1 John 4.19. We learn and we start living this life because he first loved us. We love him. We can be motivated by love because we saw what he was doing. And so now our faithfulness to God, while it started, yeah, you know how we came to the Lord? Because my parents were getting divorced, because my family was being destroyed, because it was broken, because we had no hope, we had no dreams. If we would have had all those things, we probably would have never come to the Lord. But we came with that initial motive. You know what keeps us here? It's not that God has put us back together. It's not that now we have dreams and we have, we have fulfillment of causes upon the earth. What keeps us here serving the Lord is driven by love. There's something that God put in us now, and now we're giving of ourselves even when it's against our best interest. It's, it would be totally insane to do what we do because it's economically feasible. In other words, we're not here because we're making money. We're not given of our lives because we derive some pecuniary economic interest. We're here to lose our life, to give it all away. Motive, love. We love God. We, we have surrendered. And so this is what needs to happen in these last days. Otherwise, get ready for this. You will never receive the faithfulness of God, number one. And you will never be faithful to God, number two. If God doesn't put that inside of you, if your motive to come to church is not that you love God, you got to retake inventory again. I know the new people are coming because of issues. But once those issues are healed and resolved, you got to pray, God, God, put sincere love for you in my heart. So that whenever I have the opportunity to cut short of the fullness of your pleasure, I say no. If I'm motivated by love, it's no longer by what I'm getting. It's what I'm giving. So there is no, there is no wager against that. Listen what God, this is not new to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9, God tells his people, listen, I'm about to bless you thoroughly. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God. He's faithful to keep His covenant of love for a thousand generations. That word mercy is also defined as love. He wants to make sure that you're in the realm of receiving everything He has for you in His love. With who does He make that commitment to? With those who love Him. See, we all talk, we love to talk about the love of God. This is, this is all over the world. You talk about God loves us, and everybody's like, yeah, he loves me. But I have a question for you. Do you love God? And you know when it's seen, whether you love God or not, by the decisions you make when you're confronted to keep or not keep his commandments. Because you could have all the flurries, you could have all the flutters, you could get goosebumps and say, I love God. But here's what the Bible says. If you read with me, 
This verse is amazing. It says, in this we know that we love God. 1 John 2.5. What do you do when, when the instruction of God comes to your life? I stick it in my pocket, pastor, read it three times a day. No, 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 live it. You know why you can't live it? You know why you can't live it? Because inside, you don't love God. You're catering to your loneliness. You're catering to, to your pity party. You're catering to your priorities. You're catering to your economic interests. But in this, whoever keeps his word truly loves God. And the love of God is perfected in him. That means God wants to teach you more and more how to love him. How many are interested in that? I know a lot of Christians that want to know how much God loves them, but God wants to perfect how much you love God. Now it's no longer about Jesus laying his life down for you. Now it's you laying your life down for Jesus. And there's no greater evidence of this than when we're keeping God's word. Why? Because it's insane to keep God's word. It's crazy to listen to God in a culture where 98, that's a, I'm getting very generous with a 2% of people that obey God upon the earth. 98% of the people, including Christians, do not. I mean, they know what the word of God says. They've gone to a thousand conferences. They know it like the back of their hand. Do they do it? No. Why? Because there's no love motivating them. They don't have a synergy to want to be found faithful to God. And so it's easy to do what when you don't love God? To pick something else to do. I'm telling you something, once you start being motivated by love, you'll see Genesis 29, 20. It says that Jacob had to work for seven years for this young girl. Seven years. And he says they were like days because he loved her so much. That's true love, man. When the burden is no longer there because your love is so great. The intensity of your love consumes whatever is holding you back. Let's read that very good in Genesis 29, 20. He says that he proposed to Rachel's father, and he says, you can marry my daughter, but you got to work for me for seven years. How many would have stayed there and worked? Half of the guys would have been gone. See you later, brother. Seven years, you kidding me? That's a lifetime. But because of his love, they seemed like only a few days. Why? Because of the love he had for her. When you love God, there is no measure of giving God everything, your whole life. Again, this is being perfected in us. A lot of us as pastor, man, when I started coming to church, I wasn't going to church at all. You already got me two hours on Sunday. You're pushing this. Now you want me to come on Wednesday. That's twice a week, pastor. Listen, when you have and understood the fullness of what God has for you, my friend, and when you're responding with a drive of your passion to show God you love him, man, you're going to live in this temple. You're going to want me to build a little efficiency with Manny here. We'll build a little addition here. And you could, you could see God every second of your life. And nothing could come. And, and guys, I want to tell you something that, that this is going to come. If what, if what happened to Jesus, he says the same things would happen to his followers. The devil stood in front of him and promised him all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, no way, my friend. You're sure. That's, that's 
change. That's garbage compared to my relationship with my father. I could never betray this relationship. I want to tell you something, something that scares the heck out of me is knowing that there was one of the 12 that sat at the table with Jesus. He had been part of that ministry. He had lived with him for three and a half years. He had done everything to appear that he had pure motives. But when he had an opportunity to get something out of that relationship, he betrayed the Lord. And I, want to, I know that, that we, we all go through this sometimes with respect to our relationship with God is going to be tested. And look what it says here, and this is a, some frightening words in, in John. Let's see if I can find that. Listen to Matthew 26, verse 20. How would you like to be invited over to Jesus' dinner table? And everybody's there, and it's being publicly said. And it, it, all the 12 guys are sitting there, and you're there, and you're now a Christian, and now you're a follower of Christ. And, and all of a sudden, your pastor says like this. One, he had sat down with his closest friends. Verse 21. He says, now as they were eating, he said, for sure, I guarantee you that one of you is going to betray me. One of you having the opportunity to either honor me and to love me and to be next to me, I guarantee you one of you is going to sell me out. You're just going to sell me down the road. And you know something? This is something that is seated in the heart of every man and woman because when the other 12 heard this, they said, Lord, is it me? They all thought they were, any one of us could do it at any moment unless we're motivated by love. If you love your wife, when that woman comes and says, Yoo-hoo! you're like, pick another eternity, it's never going to happen. Because I've decided to love my wife. My motive is not that I could get away with it, that no one's going to find out, that nothing's going to happen. No, my motive is I love this woman. My faithfulness is, is founded not that I want to be a good guy, not that I want to be known as a Christian. There is some, some real stuff down here that when you pour it out, you're going to have some drink. And you'll see what drives me to be faithful. It's not what are people going to say. It's not what people are going to look. It's not that even he deserves it. It's not even that he deserves it because I would say a lot of men deserve for their wives to take off with someone else. Fully certified. Because of the neglect and the hardship and, and the unfaithfulness and the instability and the insecurity. Like this. But here he says one of you and so in verse 22, they said, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. I want to tell you something. To me, it would be super devastating to ever let Jesus down. Super hard to not be faithful to keep his word after he's shown his love, after he's shown his motive. Each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? And that's a good question that you're asking this morning also. Saying, Lord, let me reevaluate what causes me to come. What causes me to, to be a Christian? What causes me to read the Bible? Do I want to have the financial return? Do I want to have the, the little safe refuge? Or is it that I love God? 
Even though I didn't have the refuge, I didn't have the income. I'm going to be faithful to God because of his love, period. If God didn't do anything else for us, he deserves our faithfulness. He deserves our, our unstable commitment to honor him. In verse 23, he says, and he replied, he who has just dipped his hand in the same dish with me will betray me. He who's trying to call the shots like I'm calling them. You weren't supposed to dip your bread in his dish. That's a lack of respect. You putting your, your priority over his priority. You're, you're putting your thoughts above his thoughts. Your ways above his ways. He says, these are the, those that betray me. Those that don't keep boundaries. Those that don't know how to keep the order in my presence. Soon enough, they will betray. Verse 24. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to him by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. I want to tell you something. This is in the light of a long term, because some of you will hear this message and not understand its implications. Guess what? What we're talking about today will lead you to the very depth of hell. If you don't understand what I'm trying to preach today, I want you to understand that the consequences of not living what I'm talking about will end you up in the very lake of fire. Because once you're unfaithful and betray the Lord, and, and we all have these little, little gauges of unfaithfulness and betrayal, well, guess what? It doesn't take much. And even though the people around you are complacent in their unfaithfulness to God, he's not going to have any unfaithful come home. That's not the people that come home. They're the people that he's redeemed and he's made faithful. And our faithfulness depends on the motivation of our love and, and the genuineness of our love. And you won't see this because you'll see some young people, they'll even look at their parents and say, you, know, you just want to mess with my life. No, they don't. You have no understand how much your parents love you and why they tell you what they tell you. And you struggle to understand, but you haven't been made perfect in that understanding. You know when you will? When you have children. When you have children, you're going to want to tell your children stuff, and they're going to say, why are you trying to remember? We did the same thing when we didn't understand what our parents, man, uh, just to see the love of a father for his son, trying to understand what he wants for his son. They don't have a clue what God wants for us until they become fathers. And then they want for their children the best. They would give their lives for their children. But here he says, woe are those who betrayal will come through. Unfaithfulness. And I, I'm saying, I, I don't know about you guys. I was walking around Atlanta and I was saying, Lord, based on the decisions I make or don't make of listening to your voice and being faithful to your calling in my life, based on that, my kids are either blessed or cursed. So I could be at a 70% being faithful to God, and that means my kids are going to miss out 30% of what God has for them. I affect the lives of my generations. And so my prayer was, Lord, help me. Help me to be and do what you want me to do and be, and to fulfill the call of God so that I not miss out that great shower of blessing that's being passed down from generation to generation. Help me not to ever cut short and so in verse 25, Judas, and he has a great nickname on that. My uh, New King James Version says, the betrayer. 
the one who was not going to listen, answered and said, Rabbi, would it be me? Lord, consequently, are you talking about me? And what's the Lord tell him? Yeah. It's coming out of your mouth. You've said it. It says in Matthew 26, verse 14, one of the 12 who was called Judas went to the chief priest. And he said, what are you willing to give me if I hand over to you the Christ? Let me ask you guys a question. Isn't this the bargaining of the devil in our lives? If If I release this commitment, if I release my relationship with this man, what do I get in return? For all of us, it's something different. For all of us, it's something different. It doesn't have to be adultery. It doesn't have to be alcoholism. It doesn't have to be drugs. It could be that you're going to sequester your life. You're going to hijack your life and take it in the direction that is not the purpose of God for your life. I was blessed by speaking and spending some time with Garland, which is uh, Krista's father. Um, For those of you that weren't here on Wednesday, we had a tremendous man of God come who's the associate pastor at Wellington Boone's Church up in Atlanta. His name is Garland. Uh, Hunt, and uh, he was down in Miami because his daughter, Krista, is coming to the University of Miami, so he wanted to find a good church. So uh, they came on Wednesday night, and he preached, and Krista's here this morning. Well, I was talking to him when he got out of law school, and he started, um, he started being invited to, to have great opportunities to make a lot of money. So he went to go clerk for a United States Supreme Court justice, and, and all of a sudden, when he got out of there, he was employable to many people. And he was telling me how Coca-Cola came and wanted to give him a job so he would be one of the attorneys at Coca-Cola. You know what he says? No, my friend, I'm in love. What do you mean you're in love? Yeah, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm going to serve my Lord. And so he committed to to leaving with Bishop Boone to, to go to college campuses all around America to win young people for the Lord. Having, having an invitation for greatness, but when your motive is love, there is no offer. There's no way that you would would bat an eye to that. Well, this guy says, what are you willing to give me? Matthew 26, 15. If I hand them over to you, and they wait out for him, 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment on, he sought what was the opportune time to do what? Verse 16, to betray him. Are you guys looking for your life to be, stop rocking, for your boat to quit sinking, for things to be going well so that you can say, see ya, don't want to be ya. Yeah, you are. I've seen it a thousand times. It just, it needs to be that one thing that you value more than your love for God. It needs to be that one thing that you exchange to be disloyal to him, to not listen to him no more, to not lay down your life. And so listen how they came along to a plan. Verse 46, get up and let us go, Jesus says. My betrayer is at hand. As he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelves, came up to the crowd with a sword and clubs and chief. And now, in verse 48, now the betrayer had given them a sign. The one that I kiss is the man you seize him. Make sure you lock him up. And he came up to Jesus once again and said, Hail, good health to you, long life, Jesus, the master, how you doing? The Amplified. He embraced him and he kissed him and he pretended to be warm and devoted. You know any Christians like that? Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. I was in church. There was a revival meeting. Everybody's good. Hey, mister, do you love God? 
then why don't you serve him like you love him? Why don't you obey him like you love him? Why don't you honor him like you love him? You know why? Because it's another motive. Matthew 27, 3, it says, when Jesus' betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, and Judas was full of remorse, I'm gonna tell you something. If there's everything, anything that's ever gonna consume you from within like fire is your unfaithfulness to God. If there's anything that you're gonna cry tears of blood is not having been faithful to the one who's given you everything. The one who has planned a glorious life for you. The one who has promised there would be no sterile or barren among his people. It would be fruitful. The promises of God are vast in that relationship of love. When his betrayer saw that, he brought back the 30 pieces. You're going to want to say, hey, Lord, you remember when I took a left turn when you said right? Ah, I'm back on course. Saying I have sinned and I betrayed innocent blood. And they said, who cares? We're not concerned with what you did when you did it. And causing the pieces of silver, he threw them into the sanctuary and he went off and he hung himself. So I'm saying, Lord, what you want to tell your people today is that down the road, there's going to be many opportunities to exchange. And depending on what our motive is, is what's going to happen. And if what's there is not love, and trust me, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for you to sell out, for you to take a lighter load, for you not to give it all. I want to tell you what Jesus did. He hung there on the cross, motivated by love. They stabbed him. They pierced him. They put a crown of thorns. Nothing moved him because of love. He wasn't there to what was his interest. And you'll see the love of God in our lives when, like Peter, he betrays the Lord three times. His preserving his life, his, his safety was enough to say, I don't know him. He's not significant in my life. So Jesus had to come after he raised from the dead. He had to go back to, to Peter. He says, come here, son. You walked with me for three years. You hung out with me. You promised that when everybody would leave me, you would not. Let's go to the issue of your motivation. Do you love me? What's going on there? What? He pinpointed the area where Peter had fallen. We're going to read that now in John chapter 21, verse 15. Jesus raised, goes dead, goes to the tomb, raises up the third day, comes and looks for Peter. In verse 15, he says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, of Jonah, son of Jonah, do you love me? What happened? Well, I, got a, I, got a, I got an invitation to go to Harvard. I, I got an invitation to, to have a great big career. Well, she was so pretty, I just said yes. No, my friend, you better start cultivating love for the Lord. So when anything comes, you say, sorry, no way, Jose. I could not sell out on my God. I could not, even though I lose everything. I love God. Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, do you love me? He says, yeah, Lord, I do. He said it a third time. 
Do you love me? How does the love of God, what is it predicated on in your life? The size of your trial? The seizing of an opportunity? The walking in, in that which is beneficial to you? I want to tell God this morning, God, perfect your love for me, for you in me. Teach me how to love you more. Teach me how to honor you more. Teach me how to love you in a way that it shows. Because I'm going to tell you something. The churches are filled with people saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Filled. But God wants to know this morning, how are we going to draw closer? He's done everything to show his love toward you. He's done everything to prove that he has a purpose with your life. He's done everything to, to pay the price. Now what's remaining is what is coming forth from that deposit. Are you convinced of the love of God this morning? Maybe something in your past says, well, why did they drop me when I was two? You never know. But the issue is, what is keeping you from believing that God loves you? And more important than that, what's keeping you from really loving God more than you love anything else? And the Bible says in Revelations 12 that those that end up in heaven is because they love the God more than their very lives. Have you ever seen that verse? Revelations 12, let's go there real quickly. It says these are the ones that end up having the victory and going to heaven and the ones Jesus is coming for is because they love God more than their very lives. I want to be one of those. I know in the, the only way to prove it <clears throat> in Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame because they had the blood of the Lamb, which is the love of God for us, the word of their testimony that they kept that life, and they did not love their lives, even to death. They had the perfect love for God that they didn't even care for their very lives. How short are we this morning? How short are we in wanting to see the fulfillment of God's plans for our life? Let's stand this morning. There's a song on YouTube, guys, that's called Es Por Ti by Michael, uh, Marcos Witt. Whenever you ask yourself why you do what you do, why you're waiting upon God when everybody's inviting you to go out dating, when everybody's inviting you to go out partying, when everybody's inviting you to go cheat on your husband, whenever you ask yourself why you do what you do, I hope that from this day forward, if, I've been, if, if God has been faithful this morning, is to question and to bring a highlighted emphasis on your love for God. Because it doesn't matter. Anything else doesn't matter. His love for you is unconditional. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's 100%. It's proven every time you see what Jesus did on the cross. Now, the issue is your love for him. Your love for him above all things, above your finances, above your career, above the opportunity to come down the road. No. Lord, I, I want to show the power of loving you. That's the world-changing energy and, and inner force. Did you guys find that? It's blue. It has the translation in English and Spanish. I want you to see what this man says. He says, what I do for God, when all the crowds are gone, when everybody goes home, when it's all over, you know what motivates me to serve God? To get here early on time? To take a position to serve my brothers? 
to be faithful with my tithing and offering, to, to be part of the vision and put my shoulder into things. See, you're part of this only as long as your marriage stays together. But if you didn't have any problems, you'd be out of here in the blink of an eye. And that falls short of what God wants to do. Let's go ahead and listen to the words of the song. You could read them. They're in Spanish, but you could read them in English. <laughs> 